0: You're shitting me, (laughs) Saeed
1: figured it out. Are you insane? The thing is, the thing is, the thing is, I know, I know. But when I went to do Hottie of the Week, this is not the scene where I was like, yeah, he's Hottie of the Week. You have to respect the integrity of what Hottie of the Week is. Saeed, MVP. Saeed, my husband.
0: Most embarrassing thing ever happened to me at work the other day. Do tell. It was my boss's birthday. So he got ice cream for everyone in celebration. And we wanted to take a group photo with the ice cream and put it on social media. After several minutes of trying to figure out who was going to take the photo, we decided to ask the office next door, but they were all busy. And I was just kind of standing there and I was like, oh, I have a tripod in my car. And they were like, oh, go get that. So I went and grabbed it. And it's my ring light that you've seen that we used to make the TikToks. And they were all just like, why do you have this? And I was like, um, well, I, I use it to make TikTok content for my podcast. Now, some of them know about it. The interns have like asked me about the podcast just because they think it's kind of cool, even though it's not. But now all the older people are like you have a podcast? What's the podcast about? And I was like, uh, you know, that old show lost, you know, I do it with my sister. She's never seen the show before. The oldest person in the office is like loved Terry O'Quinn's character. And I was like, yeah, I named my dog after him. So it was just like, it was kind of cool, but also at the same time, I left the tripod at my desk. So every couple of minutes I just saw it. And I was like, Oh my fucking God. And then I had my end of the month review with my boss and he was like, Hey, way to bring that tripod. <laughs>
1: If that were me, I would have been like, it's my girlfriend, Such a silly little girl, always taking pictures of herself. <laughs> Women.
0: Yeah, it sucked. But uh, not as much as going to my first spin class yesterday.
1: You know, you texted that to me. You were like, oh, I have spin class. So blah, blah, blah. Spin class. No, you couldn't pay me. You could not pay me to spin.
0: Let me tell you how unprepared for a spin class i was first of all kate has been going pretty frequently so she was like do you want to go i have a free referral blah 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 so i went and i get there and i had to check in and fill out a bunch of paperwork and shit and then there's special shoes gotta Mm -hmm. lock yourself in
1: Mm -hmm. Was not
0: ready for that that seat uncomfortable way uncomfortable everyone really friendly was kind of bizarre and I wasn't ready for it to be in pitch black with like some lights that were timed to the music. I was not ready for everyone to be like wooing every time we went five minutes. I, was, I was not ready for motivational speaking by the instructor. And here's how unready for that part I was. I did not realize that she wasn't giving commands. So she's always saying like, all right, you want to turn up your resistance, you know, turn it to the right, turn it to the left or you know, go faster, go slower, whatever. Right. At times she would say you're going to want to lower your resistance, but fight through it. But I didn't hear that part. So I was like, okay, so I just turned the resistance down and I was like, oh, fuck. then I was just all all out of whack. But then the worst part was. About halfway through it, I was like, I can't match the pace anymore. I was trying because they track your results and, or your stats and shit and they send them to you. And Kate was like, I'm going to whoop your ass. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I bet. Well, about halfway through it, I was like, I am going to fucking throw up because I'm also hungover. We went out the previous night. And at one point, McKenna, the instructor, was like, fight through what's ever holding you back, release what's ever holding you back. And I was like, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't want me to release what's holding me back right
1: now. (laughs) But the first holding me back, it's about five Bud Lights and three tequila shots.
0: But the worst part was like in the first 10 minutes, I'm fucking sweating. For listeners who have never seen me, I'm fat. I'm fucking sweating. i got the towel in my face and I I just put it on top of my head because I needed to like, readjust my grip or whatever so i got the towel on my head mckenna says we got two new riders in the back today huge shout out to them so let's put our hands together for zane and lauren and i was like you're fucking kidding me no way that's awesome it was so bizarre and then kate looks at me and i got the towel on my head i'm just like don't look at me
1: you will never catch me at a spin class. There was okay. So at Ohio State, did you ever take any of the workout classes that were included to us as students?
0: No, because anytime I would have able been able to fit those into my course curriculum, COVID happened, so they didn't offer them.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm not talking about the course classes. I'm talking about like you could go to the RPAC with your buck ID and do the oh. group fitness classes. No, I didn't do that. So we did them, like we would do like the hip hop dance classes and sometimes we would go to yoga. Well, Delaney was going to spin classes because Delaney actually works out I just talk about working out <laughs> and she's like you should come with me you should come with me so one time I was like okay yeah I'm gonna come with you and then I ended up being super late and I, I she texted me she was like there's no bikes left and I was like oh darn but basically she was like you know I was mad at you for not going but after I got through the class I realized you would have died she's like not only was this a spin class but they were making you get off your bike at intervals and doing burpees and anyone who really truly knows me knows that i will die before i do burpees i do not i burp i don't burpee you know (laughs) absolutely not i don't do cardio i don't do burpees hit workouts like during COVID, everybody was like dude you're at home hit workout I was like, I will hit this bag of potato chips and the couch. Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> it, it was so bizarre. But you know what the crazy part is? Is I actually liked it.
1: Well, you should keep like spinning is like, from what I've heard from people, it is one of the most like effective workouts. Because it's like really, really good cardio, but not as bad as for your joints as running. Mm-hmm. And I've known people who've lost a lot of weight spinning.
0: I want to do it and then they told me the price and I was like Ooh. oh
1: absolutely not. <laughs> we have a we have one near me and I considered it cuz I'm still trying to find like a workout that I don't hate, you know what yeah. I mean? I was like maybe I'll try it. Then I saw the price and even just for those stupid ass shoes that you have to buy.
0: Yeah. I was
1: like no, absolutely not. I won't do it. So no.
0: Like Kate was like you're going to be in pain, you're going to be in pain. I'm not that sore. Maybe I will be tomorrow. I just walked upstairs the first time today and that wasn't great. But the shoes were so uncomfortable because like you're locked in. So your feet are just on like pieces of metal the entire time. And that seat is not comfortable. Kate would tell me that she hates the standing portion. And meanwhile, I'm like, can we stand?
1: Mm. I'm sore from, I was at a child's birthday party this weekend and I was playing volleyball in the pool With children, children. I woke up yesterday morning and I was like, oh my God, I am so sore. What did I do yesterday? And the only thing I could think is just from playing volleyball for probably like 30 minutes. It was not that long. And these were children. It's not like it was real volleyball. So clearly I need to work out. So uh, kudos to you and Kate.
0: Did I ever tell you that I was playing Marco Polo? In the pool at Kate's apartment with some friends, and we also had these big inflatable balls that we were just fucking throwing at each other right before Marco Polo. So it was my turn. I surface. I say Marco. I get fucking hit in the face so hard that I was like, "Polo." <laughs> I <literally laughs> just said it.
1: I also got smacked in the face. This was not during the volleyball game. I was in the shallow end with all the kids. And I was not even prepared. This kid, I don't know who he was standing on the side. He just took like a small inflatable beach ball and chucked it at my face. And it hit me in the sunglasses and just like knocked me out. And I was like, oh my God, ow. And the kid was like, I could tell he did not mean to do it. And then someone was like, say sorry. I was like, it's fine. It's fine. But oh my God, this kid knocked me out. I thought he broke my nose.
0: Do you remember that time we were in the Outer Banks after you graduated college and we were all in the pool and dad was like right up against the wall and someone did a cannonball and like kind of th- like th- dad was like kind of underwater, kind of not the the wave threw dad into the wall. Next thing you know, he was spinning in a circle and everyone's like, oh, Dave being funny, blah, blah, blah. And I was on the other side of the pool. and I was like, I have never, ever seen my father exert that much energy for a joke something is wrong and I'm just yelling someone help him someone help him because there's like six people standing right next to him and I'm like someone help him no one did anything he finally surfaces takes a big deep breath and everyone's like nice joke Dave and he's like I almost drowned (laughs) (laughs) and I I was trying to tell him I was like I knew something was wrong I kept telling people to help and he's like yeah good thing you didn't jump in there and help yourself
1: (laughs) I can say i was not there for that moment so i'm not mm. to blame you are
0: speaking of father-son relationships this episode was a doozy
1: oh king of segways absolutely you're gonna have to bear with me because i didn't watch this episode today i watched it a few days ago so clearly i will have forgotten every <laughs> single thing that happens
0: but I, that just means you were excited to like watch the next episode
1: you know, I was, and I'm not going to lie. I feel like you overhyped it.
0: You know, watching this episode, I was like, huh, this is not what I was expecting. I Usually, penultimate episodes in Lost are, like, big. This was, I not, thought, this is like, the worst one, apparently.
1: When you said that, I thought it was because, like, you knew that this episode was awesome. So I was so pumped going in. And it was a good episode, but it wasn't, like, action-packed.
0: I'll tell you now, season three's penultimate episode is, like fucking crazy
1: well that's gonna take like months to get to
0: (laughs) yeah so this one wasn't like i i think i was just thinking about the like the literally the last scene because i remember seeing that for the first time just being like what the fuck but the rest of the episode not really much there
1: if i had to summarize it i would probably say the plan is formed to confront the others and flashbacks reveal michael's secrets
0: it's a pretty good one
1: yeah
0: if I had to give quick bits, I'd probably say that this episode was directed by Stephen Williams. It also was titled three minutes after the final flashback scene. However, that moment between Michael and Walt really lasted a minute and 15 seconds.
1: Yeah, what the hell? I, I was like, I forgot the title of the episode completely until they were like, you have three minutes. And I was like, oh, this is going to be pivotal. This is going to be a huge scene. And it was Something. Was it pivotal? Was it three minutes long? No, it was not.
0: Well, it was supposed to be, but then Walt fucked up and they got their time cut off.
1: I mean, he's a child. Yeah. Okay.
0: And lastly, this episode was filmed approximately one year after the season one finale, where we last see Walt get taken by the others. Even though only two months have passed since the crash, you can see that Walt has clearly aged, so they kept him in the shadows. He's like two feet taller than he was in season one.
1: I didn't notice.
0: Well, that's because they tried to make it so you wouldn't notice.
1: I wouldn't have noticed. They could have, like, shown me, and I would have been like, yeah, that's normal.
0: Malcolm David Kelly, who plays Walt, went from, like, being how short he was to, like, six feet in, like, a year. So they were like, "Uh uh-oh.
1: There are so many, and by so many, I mean, like, two shows where, like... One of the main characters is like a little boy. And then that little boy gets older in the show and they're not cute anymore. And I hate them.
0: Once Upon a Time.
1: Yes. Once Upon a Time was the biggest one. I could not stand Henry. There's another show too. I feel like that I've watched more recently. Where the kid gets older and I'm just like, Ew.
0: I hate shows that don't say the full season is one year. Because it needs to be accurate to the ages of the characters. Like, Euphoria and Riverdale got, like, 30-year-olds playing teenagers.
1: Yeah, I didn't watch Euphoria, but...
0: You didn't watch Euphoria?
1: No. Like, I was going to jump on the bandwagon when it was, like, super popular. But I could just tell by the clips I was seeing on TikTok that that was going to be one of those shows that just pissed me off. Just stupid shit. Like, Pretty Little mm-hmm. Liars.
0: Mm-hmm. Stupid.
1: Stupid, 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 stupid. Riverdale, stupid, awful, horrible. Couldn't do it.
0: Euphoria was a show, the first season I actually really liked. Kate had recommended it to me and I was mad because I was like, she just showed me Fleabag. And I was like, that might be one of the greatest shows I've ever watched of all time. And then Euphoria was pretty good. And I was like, damn it. All I showed her was Lost and she didn't really like it all that much. And I like was obsessed with Fleabag. So I was like really into Euphoria. And then we started season two we were watching that one week to week. And I after the first three episodes, I was like, this show is garbage. And she was like, no, you just you don't like shows that don't have guns and like obvious plots. Like this is what the season's about. This is like artistic. You just don't get it. And then like a couple more weeks, I was like, this show is garbage. And she's like, yeah.
1: Fleabag <laughs> is excellent. Fleet Bag, I think about often, and it's like one of the only shows that I'm like devastated that there's not more.
0: Mm-hmm. But also, it's perfect. it's perfect. It's exactly the way it is.
1: They should just leave it the way it is. It's an excellent show.
0: Let's get into it. Okay, we start off with a flashback of 13 days ago, which was basically the hunting party. We see Locke stocking the armory and Michael asking for a gun. Locke asks why he's whispering and checking his watch, and Michael just says it's old habits. Then he knocks over a box of bullets, and when Locke goes to pick them up, he hits him over the head, knocking him out. He runs over to the computer and reaches out to Walt, who tells him to go north until he sees a big hole in the middle of a rock on the beach. And then he tells Walt he's coming when Jack finds Locke. Then we get the exact same scene from The Hunting Party. Present day, Michael burns a piece of paper outside the Swan. When Jack comes out and asks what he's doing, and Michael says that he just needed some air. When and then Jack says, "Time to talk."
1: I paused it. I didn't realize they were going to show us this list later. I paused it and read it through the back of the paper.
0: So, so you knew all four names. Yeah. Would you? What was your initial thought before Michael was like, "We all got to go." You were just like, "Why are Why are these four here?"
1: I'm not going to lie, I don't remember if I realized what the four names were until he started saying, we all gotta just, go.
0: Yeah, just the five of us is what he kept saying.
1: Yeah, that I was like, oh, obviously those are the names for the list, so that's what he's been, like, tasked to do.
0: Sawyer tells the group that they only have 11 guns between pistols and rifles, reminding Jack that the others took five of them during the hunting party episode. Jack asks how long it would take to get to the other's camp, and Michael says they could get there by the next night, and they have no idea they're coming, so the five of them should go right now. Jack says five is not enough people, and they're not even sure what Michael saw, and Michael says he knows what he saw, and if they take too many people, they will hear them coming. They continue to argue when Hurley yells that Anna and Libby are dead. He says they haven't even buried them, and Jack tells Hurley that they will take Libby and Kate and Sawyer will take Anna. Jack then tells Michael to stay at the hatch. They'll have the funeral tonight and figure out what to do next, leaving Michael staring at Libby's blood. First, thoughts on the fact that no one questioned why they would invite Hurley on this kind of mission.
1: I was thinking that. I was like, the only thing that works in Michael's advantage is that Libby died. So he can play on like, oh, don't you want revenge, Hurley? But Hurley's not normally on the jungle mission rescue team. So, I was like, um, that doesn't really make sense. Has Hurley ever even shot a gun? Held a gun? No. Right. Makes no sense.
0: Thoughts on Hurley being the one that, like, kind of snaps everyone back to reality that they haven't even fucking buried them yet?
1: I don't really have thoughts. It's just like, yeah.
0: This is very small. Jack has really been, like, the driving... Force for the show when it comes to like the button when it comes to is it real or not because you know up until last week Locke was like it's real do you think when jack said michael stay here he was just saying like you know you've been through a lot stay here or was he like someone still needs to watch the button
1: i could not say i don't i don't know
0: we get another flashback it's still 13 days ago michael runs through the mesa on a straight path stopping only for water and to check his bearing He comes across an other taking a leak and tells him to put his hands up. This other figures out that he is Walt's dad, and Mr. Friendly is behind him. And Mr. Friendly is behind Michael. There's a struggle, shots are fired, the other, his name is Pickett, fires a shot at Michael, and Friendly says that they need him alive, and then throws a bolo at him, tying him up. He tells the others to bag him quickly, as everyone is on their tail.
1: Have we ever seen Pickett before? No. I think he just has one of those faces. Just looks like a guy I should know.
0: Should I IMDB it?
1: No, I don't care.
0: Okay. Remember when we were talking about the conversation about factions of others and how some of them seemed uh, primitive in the jungle and some of them seemed a little more advanced? And Now, this was obviously before we learned that it was more than it seems. But you said, and I quote, Mr. Friendly doesn't seem like the type to throw a bolo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't remember saying that, but okay.
0: When you said it, I was like, yes. Wow. There are times. It, it'll be interesting to see to see if you notice things when you edit the bloopers, but there are times where you straight up say something that's just the exact opposite. And I'm and I'm just like sitting here like, oh, I cannot wait to remind her that. <laughs>
1: You know, sometimes you make a face when I make predictions, but to me, I interpret it as like, oh my God, I'm so right. And he's trying to hide it. But maybe that face is, she's so wrong. This is hilarious.
0: Yeah. Darn. Part of me wants to make like a little audio clip show of like every single time you said something that was just the exact opposite. Or like you and I are arguing about something and you say, and you like will say something in defense of yourself, but actually. You're getting a prediction right where I would be correct and you don't realize it.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sure you're going to do that. Just like the Locke-Vincent-centric episode.
0: I'm working on it. How's the bloopers coming?
1: Well, I was working on it yesterday for like 20 minutes and then I got distracted.
0: Andrew's out of town. You have no excuse.
1: I know. He left today. This week, I'm going to get so many bloopers done.
0: In the hatch, Michael cleans the bloodstain when Echo returns. Michael asks if he found Henry and asks about him being a priest, and then he asks if Echo believes in hell. As he helps clean, Echo tells him the story of a boy who beat his dog to death with a shovel for biting his sister's cheek. He said he did it protecting her. The boy asked Echo if he would go to hell, and Echo told him that he would be forgiven if he was sorry. But the boy does not care for forgiveness. He was afraid if he did go to hell, the dog would be waiting for him. I love that story.
1: Echo is so intense.
0: Oh my god, yeah. I think I, I have a memory of this giving me a nightmare.
1: But all dogs go to heaven, so.
0: Of course. Michael makes his way to the beach and throws up. The guilt is clearly getting to him, and Jack finds him. Jack asks if he's okay, and Michael tells him that he has to get Walt back, and it needs to be the way he said it. The five of them from before. And Jack says they will figure it out, and Michael says he has figured it out. Nothing else will work. It will just put more people in danger. He says it's his son, and it's his call, and Jack does not get to decide. And Jack agrees.
1: The one time that I wanted Jack to be controlling Jack, who won't let anybody else make calls, and he doesn't do it.
0: He he tried in the hatch when he was like, five's not enough. We need more people, blah, blah, blah. We don't know what you saw.
1: I just don't understand the logic of letting, like, why does Michael need to be in charge of this? Just because it's his son doesn't mean that he knows the right thing to do. It's
0: just annoying. I mean, I guess you could say like he knows the terrain because he's been there. But let's also keep in mind that of the five that he's talking about bringing, we've got Hurley who love you to death, useless in a firefight. Michael, his arm's in a sling because he got shot.
1: <laughs> yeah, the rest of them make sense. It's like he could almost get away with it. Yeah. If if Hurley wasn't, I can understand being like, oh, we need a small group, whatever. It's just like Hurley doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't. And Sub,
0: sub Hurley for Saeed, the plan would be fine.
1: Mm-hmm. But obviously he can't do that.
0: On the beach, Charlie says hi to Claire and Aaron and asks if she has seen Echo. She says no, and he tells her about the church, and she asks if he needs anything, and then he gives her the vaccine from the palate. He shows her how it works and explains he tried it to check to see if it was safe for her and Aaron, and tells her to use it every nine days, and this should last them a while. Another thing that you got wrong this episode was is good for it uh going all the way back to the season two premiere we talked about desmond injecting himself with the vaccine in the opening sequence and you said that looks like something he does every day and i was like well maybe not every day we don't know seems like it's every nine days
1: whatever i still think that's stupid what type of vaccine do you have to take every nine days
0: Dharma brand vaccine that shit sucks then Claire thanks him, and as Charlie is trying to make his move, they see that Michael is back. Thoughts on this interaction? And let's go ahead and just skip to the end of the episode when Claire takes Charlie's hand as well. How are we feeling about these two?
1: I don't, I just don't care. Yeah. I I don't care if they have a romantic connection, whatever. And here's something that I'm going to say, going back all the way to episode one of our podcast— spoiler alert for anybody who has not finished the show i know that charlie dies eventually and i've said it in episode one i have no concept of when he dies like it could be next episode or it could be you know season six i have no idea i just know he dies and so now i'm starting to think is this the charlie redemption arc so that he dies in our good graces
0: It would seem that this episode is like, well, really the church storyline, but this episode really is like the Charlie redemption arc.
1: Yeah, I mean, but the church thing. Wait, is it this episode or last episode? Was it this episode?
0: When he's throwing the things.
1: No, when he's like, when Echo's like, I'm not doing the church anymore. I need to be here. This This episode. Okay. So it's like, it's like Charlie almost was going to go back to being a dick. Like almost, we kind of saw him like kind of go into his Charlie ways for a second. And then he had, he was faced with like a solo test with finding the, not finding, but literally having cocaine, heroin, heroin <laughs> dropped at his feet. Anyway, I'm just rambling. I don't give a shit about Charlie. I think that they're trying to redeem his character so that they can kill him off and make me cry. And I probably will cry. Right now, I'm like, I don't care about Charlie. When he dies, I'm going to be sobbing.
0: I'll tell you what. There are shows where I don't give a fuck about the character. But if the scene and the music is done right, I will cry for anyone's death.
1: Oftentimes in a show, when someone dies... It's the way that it impacts other characters that makes me cry. I'm an empath. So, but for real, it's like I don't have to love the character. Like I cried when Libby died because of how sad Hurley was. I don't care about Libby. I just don't. But seeing how upset he was and I like Hurley, that's what made me cry.
0: Okay. But the person who probably would be the most upset if you're right and saying Charlie dies would be Claire but you don't like Claire
1: it's not that I don't like Claire it's I guess I have said many times that I don't like her but if she was sad enough it might bother me I also feel like it would really upset Locke because Locke has really had like an up and down relationship with Charlie kind of been like a father figure to him like a guiding him and so I do think that when Charlie dies that Locke will be upset. I don't know if he'll show it as much at that, like, to the extent that I would need to cry over it. Just those two? Echo, maybe? They've kind of formed a relationship, and then everybody else will just be, like, normal amount of sad. Maybe Hurley. They. I, I was gonna I don't say, know. I feel like
0: Hurley's the obvious one.
1: Yeah, I don't know. They haven't really shown them being buddy-buddy lately.
0: That's true. Sun and Jin see that Michael is back, and all the extras are excited to see him. Jim gives him a big hug, as does Son, and they ask how he is when they see the bodies. By the way, there's a shovel now. I don't know where it came from. Just there's a shovel.
1: No, that's not a shovel. That's a stick with a metal, like serving tray type of thing attached to it. Oh, okay. I saw it because I was like a shovel, and then I was like, it's not a shovel. Okay. But can I'll we? Just t- talk I'll tell about you. The in
0: season three, they have a shovel. I don't know where the fuck it came from, but it's it's just a shovel.
1: Okay. Well, can I just say? I cannot believe that they just pulled these bodies out and started burying them in front of everyone without even announcing or telling anyone what happened. They just start burying people in front of everyone.
0: What do you want them to do?
1: I want them to, Jack, hey, you're a leader, right? Mr. Jack, Mr. I'm a leader. Gather the troops and say, listen. Something happened the same way that he did when he had to go tell everybody about Henry, right?
0: Yeah. Gather
1: them all up, say two people just fucking died. You're about to see us buried.
0: We don't know how he told everyone about Henry, though. He might have told a few people and then like spread the word.
1: It was stupid. Yeah, it was That's not how they should have found out.
0: But we've also talked numerous times about how everyone's so spread out.
1: Okay, at least tell the people who are going to be right there.
0: To, yeah, tell the main characters who gives a fuck about the extras.
1: I'm just saying that's not the way they should have found out.
0: Well, son asks who is dead and what happened, and Michael tells them that Anna and Libby were murdered. And does a moment like this make you more angry at Michael or feel for him a little bit more? Angry, why?
1: Because he just is like able to be like, Oh, they were murdered.
0: I think him saying. They were murdered. Is like him admitting to himself, I just fucking murdered these people in cold blood. And like, obviously, he doesn't think very highly of himself. He was just thrown up in the jungle not that long ago. He's he's going through it. Yeah, that sucks. In the next flashback, friendly and the rest of the others take Michael to a fire and unbag him. Michael spits on friendly, who says he will not hold it against him since he did take his son, but tells him not to do it again. When Pickett comes out with Kate bagged and gagged and Friendly warns Michael, if he makes one sound, he will not see Walt again. They gag Michael and Friendly goes to talk to the hunting party. More clips from that episode.
1: This part pissed me off. Kate is standing right there. They're like, don't make a sound so that she doesn't know that they have Michael. And then they go gag him out loud. (laughs) You're telling me she didn't hear that. And she didn't think. Who are they gagging? Oh, probably the other person from our group that ran off and got caught just like me. That was so dumb.
0: Yeah, that was So fucking
1: dumb. dumb.
0: Well, as this is happening, Alex tells Michael that Friendly is just scaring them to deliver a message. And when Friendly tells Alex to bring out Kate, she asks Pickett to do so for her, which he does. Going back to the hunting party, when I pointed out to you that Alex's name was mentioned, when we talked about Alex... In maternity leave, you mentioned, oh, she's complicit with the others because they asked her to bring out Kate. And I said, well, we didn't actually see her. And you said, well, she's her name was there. She's she's part of it. This is what I was alluding to.
1: The interesting thing is I kept waiting for them to say her name and they didn't. They just said, bring her out.
0: No, they said, bring her out, Alex. And They just cut to the other side. So it was like a little more faint.
1: Oh, okay, I didn't hear it. This, I will say, this whole time I've been like, how am I supposed to know that's Alex? She doesn't look like a teenager. But this episode, she definitely acted more like a teenager. This is the first time that I was like, okay, I can believe that she's 16.
0: Alex asks Michael if Claire made it back to their camp, if she had the baby, is it a boy or girl? And Michael doesn't answer. After the hunting party throws down their guns, Friendly returns to the fire and tells them to divvy them up. Alex then tells Michael that she is sorry and knocks him out. Any more thoughts on Alex after this interaction? We've seen a little bit more from her now. She seems very compassionate to the survivors.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm just curious how she can act like that when the rest of the others just seem so cold. I mean, he's like, I'll let you spit in my face one time because I took your son. But after that, I'm not going to tolerate it. You know what? I feel like when you kidnap someone's child, it's unlimited face spitting, probably.
0: You would, you would think that Michael would have been like, I deserve at least nine more. Do you think there's going to be repercussions for Alex being so, like, compassionate for them? It's She's helped Claire escape. She's talking to Michael, trying to get information, but she's not going to, like, give up.
1: I'd say, yeah, probably.
0: On the beach, Michael kneels by his tent with Vincent. And Sawyer and Jack go through the guns, and Sawyer offers Jack a drink, which he says no. It's like, I liked the... uh. I thought the Irish drink when someone died. I'm not Irish. Well, neither am I. (laughs) Sawyer asks what happened between him and Kate, and Jack tells him that they got caught in a net, which Sawyer thinks had sex. I did the... Is that what they're calling it now? (laughs) (laughs) Said asks if it's true that Henry is gone, and they tell him that Echo and Locke went after them, but they are now MIA. Said asks what they're going to do, and Sawyer tells him it's time to end this. Said asks when they leave, but Jack tells him that he's not coming. Said asks why, and Jack explains that Michael doesn't want it that way. But Said and Sawyer disagree, and Sawyer gives Said a gun.
1: Thank God. I mean, at that point, that's what I'm thinking. Thank God. Somebody sees reason and thinks, oh yeah, maybe the literal soldier should come on this quest.
0: I do... We'll talk more about it as the moments happen, but it... It makes sense that these people wouldn't question Michael because why your brain just wouldn't go there that he betrayed you. They would just be I'm like, not, okay, he's being weird.
1: I'm not saying that they should question that he betrayed. I'm saying that they should be like, why is he so insistent on these specific people going and not bringing Saeed? That makes no sense. And I'm not even saying that that would mean that they have to question him but i do think that someone other than saeed and sawyer should have been like you're not thinking clearly this is what we're going to do we're going to bring saeed duh
0: i can't i couldn't even keep track of the amount of nicknames that sawyer was throwing out during this conversation but i did think it was funny how he just he assigned pretty much every single person in the in the group a nickname (laughs) but saeed's was funniest with the red beret (laughs) Echo explores the hatch and finds the magnet wall pulling on his cross. The alarm goes off and he rushes to hit the button. After so, Charlie arrives and asks what happened to him. Echo asks him if he will bring his things down to the hatch, and Charlie asks about the church, and Echo tells him that he's supposed to push the button now. Charlie asks what he is supposed to do, and Echo tells him to bring in his things. Charlie tells him that he's on his own and he better get moving as the clock is ticking. You earlier said we he shows his Charlie tendencies here, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little on Charlie's side here.
1: As I was watching it, I was just being like my typical, I'm annoyed with Charlie person. But I do feel like if I'm Charlie in this full time, I've been building this church because, you know, Echo has been saying we have to build this church. It's our purpose or whatever. And then Echo's just like, forget that <laughs> you're on your own. I can see why he'd be annoyed.
0: It's it's a little it's a little bit reminiscent of what happened with Liam, where it was like we're doing this together, we're in this together. Also, now I'm gonna do my own thing. Good luck. Also, can you yeah. bring me my stuff?
1: Yeah, I can see that a little bit. Yeah,
0: so I can see why he got a little defensive. I I honestly don't think hey get your own shit is is really like the worst thing he could have done there
1: honestly i as i was watching it i was like fuck charlie he's you know he's such being such a brat if it were me i would have been like get your own shit
0: yeah i also thought it was funny that echo like the second the alarm goes off he runs in there and he types it in he's like all right that would be the worst fucking job ever it's like all right i'm done (laughs) now gotta wait another fucking 108 minutes because he's not just doing it like to pass the time or he lives there that's his purpose now he's like "It's, it's all about it and i'm just like i would get so fucking bored of that
1: yeah, you know what? If you're going to do a job like that, you need a jigsaw puzzle. You need a book. That'd be like my perfect job. Every 108 minutes, I've got to type in a little code. I could do so many puzzles. I could read so many books.
0: Okay, but you're also living in an underground bunker, and you only have to do it every 108 minutes, but it's every 108 minutes.
1: Oh, it wouldn't be the perfect job for me 24-7. I could do an eight-hour shift of it. I still have to sleep.
0: What do you think? They would, what do you think the Dharma folk pay the spawn hatch people?
1: I don't think any of those bitches get paid. <laughs> you think they're just doing that shit for free? I don't know. I think they're in a cult.
0: You know, honestly, Desmond says he washed up after failing to complete his race around the world, and then just starts pushing the button. In theory, Calvin would have some sort of payroll. I.
1: I never even considered that any of those people were getting paid.
0: You think that you think it's a cult?
1: I've said that. Science cult.
0: You said the others were a science cult. The Dharma had financial backing from Alvar Hanzo and the DeGroots.
1: Yeah, but the others are Dharma, aren't they? They've got all the Dharma shit. They're in different hatches. What? I thought we had established this already. They've got you, Dharma you shit. You have
0: established... Your theory, I have not said if your theory is right or wrong, but from what we know about the Dharma folk, it would appear that it was a legitimate organization. They had fucking funding from a company. They had-
1: Scientology appears as a legitimate organization. It's a fucking cult. Technically, it wouldn't be a cult because cults, like, by definition, are religious, and I don't think that they're religious. Okay, rebranding. It's an MLM.
0: What are, they, what are they marketing? Science?
1: I don't know. It's all just a front for Herbalife.
0: <laughs> You're a fucking nut job. Anyway. Sawyer tells Michael that Saeed has been recruited, and Michael is pissed, asking why he did that. Sawyer says if they're going to war, they should bring the only person who's done it before. Then he asks if that's a problem, and Michael says no. At this point, he's clearly like, if I push too hard here, People are going to start asking questions. Then we get a flashback of 11 days ago where Michael and the others arrive at the camp with a hole in the wall. And it looks exactly like Michael described it in previous episodes. Canvas tents, dried fish. They have their own hatch with guards. And they force Michael to his knees and Friendly tells Alex to inform her that they are here. Pickett takes blood from Michael and tucks it into a plastic bag. And then Miss Clue arrives and she has questions about Walt. She asked Michael if he is Walt's father and then about his childhood. And Michael has to tell her that he was not there going to the old well. Apparently recently at the time of recording, uh, there has been an article from vanity fair about the behind the scenes, toxic culture that this show was. And Michael's actor has come out and said some things. I can't go into too much detail, Lauren, because it has some spoiler implications, But he said that he requested his character to have a little more depth at one point. And I'm thinking the fact that his storyline is that he wasn't around for Walt. I can understand what he's talking about. It's like even after all this time, the last Michael-centric episode was him telling some nosy woman who was asking a bunch of questions about walt's childhood and and michael's interaction with it and him saying i wasn't there and here we are at the end of the season where it's some nosy woman asking him about questions about walt's childhood and him saying he's not there
1: yeah but like that that's the plot
0: yeah but like i feel like they could have done more
1: he also knows which walls are load-bearing that's true he's so well-rounded and he draws
0: Damon Lindelof himself has said like, oh, we failed Michael as a character because we didn't have any people of color in the in the writer's room. And as the only person of color on the island, we should have done more for him. And every single Lost fan was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Saeed and Jin and Sun and Echo are all people of color.
1: And Rose?
0: (laughs) And Rose.
1: Yeah, that doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, I don't. Let me just say now, for anyone wondering if we have questions or thoughts on that article, Lauren obviously isn't around, allowed to read it because there are spoilers in there. Um, my thoughts, it sucks. It really sucks because Lost is like my childhood. But with everything happening in the world, it does not surprise me at all that Lost also has like a toxic culture. Anyway, Miss Clue asks if Walt has ever appeared in a place he wasn't supposed to be. And Michael demands to see Walt. Clue says for someone who wants his son back so badly, he does not seem to know much about him.
1: What does she mean by that question? Because I'm not going to lie, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it almost seemed like it triggered something for Michael or that he wanted, like, he was like, actually, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Does that have anything to do with how Shannon kept seeing him? Or is that just like, yep? okay, I'm so confused. What does that mean? I thought he meant, like, as a child, but it it almost seemed like like Michael was like, oh, shit, yeah, he has. But does Michael know that Shannon saw him? No. So I feel like there's other instances. It's possible. Maybe Michael saw him, like, when he knew he was in Australia, but maybe he saw him sometimes.
0: Yeah, maybe he saw him and thought, that boy looks a lot like my son. Man, I miss my son. Or maybe he was seeing, Walt.
1: Mm, what does that mean though
0: why i mean we know walt's special magnets (laughs) now that we're talking about this walt thing do you think shannon was actually seeing him or was do you still think she was hallucinating
1: now i think she was seeing him but the thing is i don't even remember what i said at the time but like looking back at it i feel like what i should have said at the time and i'm hoping this is what i did say is that Of course she was actually seeing him because I feel like there was stuff that he was saying that she couldn't have made up from her own subconscious.
0: He was saying stuff in backwards.
1: Yeah, okay. But the stuff that he was saying was like, not just just specific to her. You know what I mean? mm -hmm. And I did say, okay, he was wet. She didn't know that the raft had like failed or crashed or whatever, but- I was like, well, that could just be a fear of hers, like that the raft failed, whatever. But yeah, I think she was actually seeing him. I don't know how, but.
0: Thoughts on Miss Clue?
1: That woman is intense. She freaks me out. And once again, it's like me saying that the others are like cold. Like It's like she's thinking of Walt as like a test subject, not as a child.
0: Speaking of test subject, what's up with the blood?
1: Maybe they're testing it to see if Michael's, like, infected or whatever, whatever sickness they think. Could
0: be that. Or maybe.
1: Oh, because they asked, they asked, um, are you Walt's biological father? So maybe they're doing a DNA test.
0: What do you make of this camp? Do you think it's real? Do you think it's part of the act?
1: I think it's part of the act. Because remember when. Michael was, like, first describing them. He was like, oh, they're weak. Like, they don't have weapons. I was like, that's what they want you to think. That's how they appear.
0: And what about their hatch?
1: It's probably the most technologically advanced hatch on the island. That's what I'm saying.
0: Michael tells Saeed he's out. Said asks why, and Michael tells him that their interests do not align, as he is going after Walt and Said is going after Henry. Said asks if he really thinks that he would risk Walt. And Michael says he knows he wants to help, but he has to do it his way. Said stares him down and agrees and shake his hand and wish him luck. I knew he knew. Oh, yeah. The way just the way he like scanned him. That's my guy. He's a fucking badass. I know. Charlie struggles to build the church on his own. And Vincent brings him one of the statues. Did someone put you up to this? (laughs) He follows Vincent back to Sawyer's stash, where he finds the rest of the statues. He takes all of them and throws them into the ocean. He holds the last one and looks at it for a while and finally lets go. And Locke watches him from down the beach, and they share a glance.
1: When he's chucking those in the ocean, all I could think was, like, those are gonna wash up to shore so fucking fast.
0: It made me think, did you know there was a season of Survivor? where a brick of cocaine washed up on one of the beaches. And it was Survivor Exile Island. And there was a guy on there who was a little out there. His name was Shane. And he found this brick and he thought, this will give us an advantage in challenges.
1: You're joking. No. <laughs> he was actually going to do cocaine?
0: Yeah, they took it from him.
1: <laughs> That's crazy.
0: Yeah. At the hatch, Jack sees Echo at the computer and asks what happened and where Locke is. Echo says he does not know. He also, he says, we were unable to find Henry's trail. (laughs) Just so calmly.
1: I loved this entire interaction. Like Jack just gets so frustrated and Echo has just this little like smirk on his face because he knows that Jack wants him to pop off. And, ah, excellent. I freaking love every time Echo and Jack interact. It's like my favorite thing ever.
0: He is just so cheeky.
1: Yeah, he really is.
0: Jack tells Echo that they're burying Anna and Libby at sunset, and Echo says he will mourn them in his own way. Does it bum you out at all that he just doesn't really seem to care that his friends are dead?
1: I think he does care. I think that he has his own way of dealing with things. He's a very emotionally mature man. And I think we are used to emotionally immature people, both on this show and in our real life. And that's not... I mean, everybody is emotionally immature in the grand scheme of things. I'm not talking about specifically the people in our life.
0: Yes, but also his friends were murdered. Shed one tear.
1: I'm sure he does. Like, they just didn't have enough screen time for it.
0: Speaking of that, what the fuck? Let's jump ahead a little bit.
1: Why didn't Bernard say anything? Not everybody... Like, I could know you be best friends with you i'm not a public speaker like i'm not comfortable talking like you're the type that would you get up and you talk i'm the type i sit there and and nod while other people talk like not everybody's a talker
0: yeah you're right if only there was like an example of bernard talking in front of every single person on the beach
1: that doesn't mean that was him talking in a different context like i can give a class presentation but i can't Give a eulogy. It's different.
0: It's just bizarre that they didn't even, like, show him. I have to imagine the actor was busy, but, like...
1: He's a background character. They didn't want to bring him on set for that week for him to just, like, be a little sad.
0: It's... He spent more... Anna saved his life.
1: I get that. He's still a background character. It's upsetting. It's... There's more going on.
0: Sawyer and Jack prep the guns, and Sawyer asks who will speak at the funeral. Should have been Bernard. Jack says Hurley will likely speak for Libby and Sawyer says he did not even know Ana Lucia's last name. Jack tells him that it was Cortez and then Sawyer confesses to sleeping with Ana, saying that's how she got the gun. Jack asks why he's telling him and Sawyer says Jack is the closest thing to a friend that he has and because she is gone. And then he says at least they get to kill someone. Thoughts on this interaction?
1: I really liked it. It was really nice to see Sawyer have feelings
0: being vulnerable
1: being vulnerable so nice
0: you're shitting me <laughs> saeed
1: figured it out are you insane the thing is the thing is the thing is i know i know but when i went to do Haughty of the week this is not the scene where i was like yeah he's Haughty of the week i wrote down sawyer and then i erased it and i was like no saeed figured it out but the You have to respect the integrity of what Hottie of the Week is. Saeed, MVP. Saeed, my husband. But during the episode, I thought, Sawyer's hot. And that's what Hottie of the Week is.
0: The first time? That's it?
1: No, it's just whoever I had a stronger feeling about. I was thinking, like, hell yeah, you, you're awesome. Like, I wasn't thinking. I was thinking beyond his hotness. I was thinking of his intelligence, his competence. Sawyer, I was just like, hot. Uh, sorry.
0: So you mean to tell me, going back to the whole truth, you were able to think beyond, oh, Jin's emotional, blah, 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 blah. You didn't just think, he's hot. You you changed the rules with Hottie of the Week.
1: It's, I... I cannot express to you. You have to just respect the integrity of hottie of the week. It's but a gut you feeling. Don't. Yes, I do. It's my hottie of the week. It's a gut feeling.
0: There's. This is going to cause unrest amongst our community. All nine of our listeners are going to be storming one of our doors.
1: Okay. Good luck finding my door his I'll dox you right now.
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> <My address. laughs> no. That one was pretty close. Don't do that. <laughs> I have to beat that I, out. <laughs> I know your address. I'll dox you right now. Mom sent me your address. I'll tell everyone where your wedding is.
1: Shut the fuck up. Anyway, what was I saying? It's my hottie um, of the week. I get to control the rules. It's just whoever I am attracted to in that episode.
0: Damn, I thought we were going to get some some history here with the MVP and Hottie of the Week being the same person. No. That's upsetting. That is a bad beat right there. Sorry, people who voted for or who bet on Saeed.
1: Listen, Saeed is the hottest person in the show.
0: Not according to the data right now. I
1: understand, but sometimes you just have to, like, it's just, I I can't control it. I'm a simple woman.
0: Damn, Jack's going to steal the season.
1: He is not. I thought I was a three-way tie between.
0: Yeah, but Jack's pretty hot in the next couple episodes. No way. It's crazy yeah. that you did That's that. That's
1: actually gonna upset me so much if Jack does it, because I have no control. You, of the you won't. Of the
0: no bull, fucking shit. There are plenty of times you could have given it to Jack, but you decided not to because you don't like Jack.
1: That's... If I, but if I don't like Jack in that episode, it ruins, it's like, you don't understand. Here's the thing about
0: people. Suddenly it's, you can just say, oh, I don't like him, even though he's hot.
1: You keep changing the rules. Stop. Listen to me. The thing about hot people is if I don't like their personality, they become less hot to me. So if Jack is super hot, which he is, but if he just keeps being a douche, I look at him and I'm like, Mm. I'll just pick pick out the little bits of things about him that I don't think are hot. And it really skews me and my opinions. So if he's going to be an ass, he's not going to get Hottie of the Week.
0: You gave Sorry. you gave Sawyer Hottie of the Week when he set Charlie to drag his son through the jungle.
1: Didn't bother me that much. You I are, made it, you are
0: I, fucking insane.
1: I made it so clear. I didn't care what Sawyer did in that episode. It did not bother me.
0: You, okay Sorry. so what you're saying is the playing field for sawyer and jack is not equal sawyer has way more leeway jack all he has to do is say one snarky thing and you're like fucking douche hate him not not hottie of the week sawyer can literally attack one of your favorite characters by proxy and you don't give a shit correct you are so full of it <laughs> i
1: can't help it
0: <laughs> whatever
1: It's like, I I don't make the rules, man.
0: (laughs) I don't make the rules 12 seconds ago. It's my (laughs) holiday of the week.
1: I can't help it. It just happens the way it happens. Sorry.
0: Well, let's talk about Sawyer as a whole here. Since this arc has started, I feel like he has been very vulnerable, emotional, helpful. I loved the, like, comforting of Kate I loved the, uh, you're the closest thing to a friend I have. Uh, She's gone. Just like how soft he suddenly became regarding this and very willing to help. Even going up to Michael, something he didn't have to do and say, hey, Saeed's on board, thinking this is something he's going to want to hear.
1: Right. Pretty hot.
0: Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Kate and Hurley dig graves as Michael walks up. He jumps in to help, still only has one arm, and asks if they are aware of the plan. He tells them they are leaving in the morning. Kate says she's on board, and then he asks if Hurley is coming, and Hurley asks why would he would go. And Michael says they killed Libby. Kate tells him to back off, and Michael asks if he is in, and Hurley says he is sorry about Walt, but he is not going. Michael tries again, but Kate stops him, and they continue to dig. Uh, way to go, Kate
1: i loved kate in the scene she really does play like protective big sister to a lot of characters on the island and michael was way out of line here Mm -hmm. and i like that she shut it down
0: are we going with michael douche of the week for the third week in a row yeah it's a record
1: i mean you could just say like the others as a collective as douche of the week
0: are we putting michael with the others
1: No, I'm saying the others were definitely Mm. douchier than Michael.
0: We get another flashback. This is three days ago. Clue visits a tied-up Michael. She brings him dinner, and he asks when they are going to kill him. He has seen where they live, knows about them, and then he says he doesn't even think Walt is alive, and she tells him that Walt is right outside. Then she says there has been a development. She tells him that one of her people has been captured by his. He tells her to go get him back, and she says they can't, but he can. She says if he does so, they will let him and Walt go free. After this conversation, are you still sticking with your Henry got captured on purpose theory?
1: No, I'm not.
0: So you think he just stumbled into that net? I
1: think he actually just, like,
0: fell into a net. Do you (laughs) think that's, like, (laughs) that's, like, other training? It's, like, if you're ever captured in a net, use the Henry Gale story. (laughs) The balloon is out there.
1: That's the thing that, yeah, that's the thing that does not make sense to me, is that the story was there, but he he did say that he was on his way there to get Locke, and if that's true, he could have already had that story, and he could have been like, I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna say, my hot air balloon crashed, like, you know what I mean?
0: Wouldn't it have just been the fucking worst if another other got captured that same day, and they're both like, no, I'm Henry Gates." Michael demands to see Walt, so they bring him in, and she tells him that he has three minutes. Michael demands they let him go, and Walt tells him to stop. Michael asks if he is okay, and Walt tells him that they are having him take tests. Clue tells him to stop, and then Walt asks about Vincent and says the others are pretending they're not who they say they are. Clue warns Walt to stop again, asking if he wants to go back to the room. She then cuts their time short, and Walt breaks free and hugs Michael. He begs Michael not to leave and to help him. And Michael promises he will get him out before Pickett grabs him and drags him away. Walt screams that he loves him and Michael breaks down crying.
1: Okay, here's the thing. I might be crazy. Part of me is like, they want it to look like, oh, we lost control of that situation. He said too much. Oh, you know, whatever. He got free. He got to Michael. Or they let all that happen to work Michael up, to get him to be like, yeah, I'll go. I'll do whatever you say. Which is exactly what happens. Like, they could have easily kept my kept Walt more restrained, not let him go over there. Like, I, I don't know. It seems fishy to me.
0: Are you talking about, like, the emotional aspect of it, or the information side of it?
1: I don't know. Like, I could go either way on, like, did they really not want him to say because he doesn't give that much information like the only thing i think that they wouldn't have wanted him to say is they're pretending but i don't know it's like he just gives a little bit of information just enough to really freak michael out and then please don't leave me please don't leave me which is like i feel like they let that emotional outburst happen just to get michael like so freaked out like I'll have to do anything to free him. Like, they're torturing him or whatever.
0: Yeah, it essentially broke him.
1: Yeah. I'm just saying, like, they wanted it to look like, oh, shit. But no, they just let that happen.
0: Any emotions with this whole thing?
1: Yeah, I was like, that was rough. It was rough to watch. And honestly, after it, I was like, I get why Michael did what he did. I get why he would be so... Move to be like I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to get my son back Mm -hmm.
0: it it, it's an interesting thing because a lot of people hate Michael for what he did I hate Michael for what he did but I mean like how far are you willing to go for your children you know so I can't fault him for everything I hate what he did I hate what he did to the survivors and to to Anna and Libby and Hurley and everything but can't fault him because if I was in a situation like that I'd say fuck them kids.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: No, I'm kidding. Lou then tells Michael after he releases Henry, there is something else he needs to do. And Michael says whatever she wants. It was very reminiscent of episode three. When Anakin says, I'll do whatever you want. As long as you help me save Padme. Broken man. She wrote four names down and he can only bring those four people. And if he does not do that, he will never see Walt again. He asks what to say, and she says just to make up a story. She tears off the list and shows it to him. Michael asks who James is, and she says that it's Sawyer, and asks if he knows the rest, and Michael says yes. The list contains Jack Shepard, Kate Austin, Hugo Reyes, and James Ford, Sawyer. She tucks the list into his pocket, and Michael says if he gets them back, Blue finishes his sentence saying that they both go free, And Michael says he wants the boat. So, why these four?
1: Great question. Don't know.
0: We know in the past that the others have made lists. Goodwin says Nathan was not a good person. That's why he wasn't on the list. Do we think these four people are great people?
1: No, they're not. And that's why I'm confused. They're not Not even Hurley? Hurley, good person. Sawyer and Kate?
0: Criminals.
1: Not good, not good people, but like, what is their standard for good person? Because you could say that their motivation for doing what they did was like, well, Sawyer conned a lot of people. That, not cool. Kate murdered a dude. Her I think justified. Oh, yeah. I think it's justified what she did, but she does go on to commit other crimes in running from that crime. But it's like, what do they determine as good? Jack is probably arguably a good person. But, like, Locke's not on that list. And Henry said he was coming for Locke. Hmm.
0: Do you believe Henry?
1: I don't know if I believe him. But I think Locke is a good person. I don't know. I'm confused.
0: What is the room?
1: I mean, I would just think it's, like, like isolation. Like, gets like locked in there by himself, or maybe it's a torture room. I have no you, idea.
0: You think it has anything to do with their hatch?
1: Yeah, it's probably in the hatch.
0: Reaction to Michael demanding the boat.
1: I mean, it probably won't go that far. It's a small boat.
0: The camp gathers for the funeral, and Locke watches from a distance. He cuts his splint off and walks down the beach, almost fully healed. It's only been a couple days, so definitely not that timeline that Jack gave him. Jack tells Said how he was going to LA for his father's funeral and how he was going to go straight there. Said says he's sorry to hear that and then immediately tells him that he believes Michael has been compromised. I liked the, let's keep walking, Jack.
1: <laughs> I love that. Honestly, now that I think back, I should have given him Hottie of the Week for that. I fucking hate you. I know, but I loved that scene.
0: Said explains that Michael's actions are those of a man who is lying and he believes that he is leading them into a trap. Jack says that he believes a lot and Said says that he also believes that Henry was another. Just threw that back in his face. Well-deserved. Jack wants to talk to Michael right away. And Saeed says they need to let Michael think he is in control so they can come up with an advantage overnight. At this point, I'm just like, fuck yeah, Saeed.
1: At this point, I'm like, because the next thing that happens is Jack questions Said. He's like, why would he do that? Jack, shut the fuck up. You're a doctor. You don't know anything.
0: Well, I mean, in theory, it's like, why wouldn't we confront Michael? Because the alternative is just to continue to walk into his trap.
1: No, but we're not walking into the trap. We have the upper hand now because we know, but he doesn't know that we know. If he knows that we know, then we don't have the upper hand. (laughs) Jack is stupid. Don't question my guy.
0: The non-Hottie of the Week.
1: But he's the hottie of forever.
0: Not according to the data.
1: It doesn't matter. It's because they don't put him in the show enough.
0: Jack delivers Anna's eulogy, saying it must not have been easy for her on the island, but she did her best. And Jack says that she was a woman of few words and follows her example by saying, rest in peace, Anna. Weak ass eulogy. And then he stares Michael down. Hurley struggles through tears, delivering Libby's eulogy. He says she helped him. She was his friend. And it is not fair that this happened to her. Then he looks at Michael and says he is going with him. Well, that again, we talked about how like all of this shit just kind of fell into Michael's lap. That probably was the most convenient thing to fall. Yeah. Hurley says goodbye to Libby. Claire takes Charlie's hand and all the survivors take their time to say a silent goodbye. When then Sun spots a sailboat on the water and everyone turns to look. And that is how the episode ends.
1: That was pretty crazy. Did not see that coming.
0: I remember watching this and thinking to myself, it seems like we have two really big storylines coming to a head. And now there's a boat. So what the fuck?
1: Yeah. I guess what I'm most curious about is who's on the boat why boat when boat where boat what boat
0: so let's let's talk about this boat it's a sailboat right who's on it
1: don't know here's the thing i don't watch our tiktoks but before i was you were getting better about like blocking out the thumbnails i would see characters and i'd be like who the fuck is that and so i'm hoping that like this boat means new characters that's the only thing I could think. It's like, I don't really know any of the specifics. I'm just hoping there's some like new people on there. Because my only other thing would be like the characters that I don't know about, the ones that I've seen random clips of in the TikTok, not clips, but like just stills would be others. And so far I'm not loving them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's like, I, I really, I've got nothing. I'm excited to see where it goes.
0: Alright. Let's lock in some predictions. Season 2 is about to end in two episodes. Okay. How does the Michael Waltz storyline end?
1: I feel like there's no way that the others are going to get all four, five, four of those characters. There's no way.
0: What is Saeed's advantage that he's going to come up with? I
1: don't know. (laughs) <laughs> the only thing I can think is that, like, that he's just going to let those five people go, but he's going to, like, trail them. And then, like, be like, ha-ha! Gotcha. But I have no idea. I really don't know.
0: Quite the tactician <laughs> you are, Lauren.
1: Well, you know what? I never claimed to be strategic. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Give me some hatched up. What do you think's going to happen?
1: I think last week I said that they weren't going to press the button or that lock was going to do something to make it so they can't press the button. I guess I'll stick with that.
0: Is anyone going to die?
1: I'm going to say no.
0: Who is next week about?
1: Probably Jack.
0: You want to know something fun? What? I'm not going to tell you. Why? Because I'm not. Why though? Just are can't. you going
1: to me are you going to tell me the name of next week? I will. Okay, what is it?
0: live together die alone part one
1: Oh, okay so that's obviously jack
0: nope i'll tell you right now it's not jack
1: Locke?
0: i'm not gonna tell you why because you gotta wait
1: i could literally go watch it right now okay but you said it it is eccentric for someone right
0: yes one person
1: for the next two episodes one person Someone we've already had a centric on before? Nope. A new person? Mm hmm. Oh, gee golly. What?
0: A new person.
1: A centric on like a, a whole new character. Someone on the boat. Maybe. Oh, can I go watch it right now? That's crazy.
0: Uh, speaking of next week, special guest star Kate? Kate's coming. Awesome. And we, yes, we are splitting it into two just because a lot is going to happen in these next two episodes. And with Kate on, there's no way we're going to get through both.
1: I don't like waiting. (laughs) So we can't just record tomorrow?
0: No, I've got plans to see the new Little Mermaid movie tomorrow.
1: Tell me if it's good because I asked Andrew if he would go see it with me and he goes, I have no interest in that. And Uh I heard that it's bad. And I said, from whom?
0: Racists. I will say, uh, Disney live action movies usually are shit, so.
1: Yeah. I liked Beauty and the Beast live action, though.
0: I liked Aladdin. It wasn't terrible.
1: I didn't see that. I don't watch most of them.
0: Oh, it's hard for me to want to go see a Disney movie in theaters nowadays, because it's just gonna be on Disney Plus in, like, three weeks. Yeah, that's exactly
1: how I was feeling. I'm like, I don't really want to go pay movie theater prices when I could pop a bag of popcorn at home and watch it on Disney+. Plus.
0: And maybe that's why Disney has been losing money on Disney+, Plus for a while. Final thoughts on the episode, Lauren?
1: Um, Kind of underwhelming, but I do feel like it is, it's ramping up to maybe a
0: good finale. Well, those are all the questions I have. But if you have any questions, we are recording flashbacks sometime this week. And the episode will be up on Friday. So get those questions in.
1: Yeah, you can send them into any of our social media through the DMs or the comments. You can find us on TikTok at laurengetslost.pod, on Instagram at laurengetslostpod, on Twitter at laurengetslost, Facebook, laurengetslostpodcast, and on YouTube. Remember, when we hit 100 subscribers, I have to read my shitty fanfic.
0: More like smutty fanfic.
1: It it will not be smutty. I cannot express that enough. We hit 1,000 followers on TikTok, so that's pretty fucking awesome.
0: We will go live at some point. Don't know what we're going to talk about because we're not (laughs) going to record an episode. We'll be months ahead of schedule.
1: Yeah. No idea what we're going to do, but, you know, we'll do it. Maybe we'll bring Kate on. She's funny. As we come to the end of season two, we really cannot thank you all enough for sticking with us. We've had some awesome growth for a tiny little podcast hosted by two people that are super dumb. And we want to keep growing. So, you know, give us five stars, leave us a review, and spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your phlebotomist at your next blood draw.
0: Wow, that was a deep cut. That one you really had to stretch for.
1: But you know what? It popped right in. I didn't even have to think about it. And join us next week for Live Together, Die Alone, part one with producer Kate.
0: Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted and edited by Zane Kohler with co-host Lauren Kohler, produced by Kate Wister, and our music is done by David Kohler. And remember, they were not dead the whole time.